Hi everyone, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, here with Father Shannon Bouquet, as always, our president. Oh, good, Tad, to be with you one more time. Yes, absolutely. It's, 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 uh, it's, we're getting a start, uh, headway with this, aren't yes, we? Yes, yes, it's yeah. exciting. Wonderful. So today we're talking about your article from February 21st. Um, it's on euthanasia and some developments in Italy. Um, could you describe the decision that uh, the recent decision of the Italian Constitutional Court uh, about? I think there was a proposed referendum on, was it euthanasia or assisted suicide? Uh, assisted um, suicide. Assisted suicide. Okay, and then um, that's good. We'll get because we'll be getting to the distinction there later That'd in the good. episode. Uh, so just describe that and uh, kind of the implications oh, sure. of the decision. Sure. First, to Had, start us off. So, so in 2019 is where we have to go back because it was then where the Constitutional Court you know, gave an open door in the sense of allowing, uh, in rare cases, which is uh, the language often used to, uh, to advance uh, these kinds of, uh, of issues, whether it be euthanasia, abortion, you know, euthanasia, uh, assisted suicide. Mm -hmm. But here in 2019, the Constitutional Court of Italy, you know, uh, allowed in rare cases for assisted suicide. So what happened now, as we, as we saw in, uh, just recently, where those who are advancing, uh, wanting to see euthanasia, wanting to see assisted suicide, become legalized you know, across the board, where basically you remove all the, the limitations that maybe the court initially uh, allowed, or maybe that legislators uh, may have uh, in the law, and the court upheld, uh, may have set uh, as, a, as a bench, if you will. And so what's happened now is that these advocates want those uh, limitations removed. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they passed a, a petition around and actually garnered about 1.2 million signatures from Italians uh, wanting to say, uh, wanted a referendum on that 2019 decision. Um, again, opening up the possibility for euthanasia and assisted suicide to become more normative, if you will. Uh, and so what happened was the court rejected it. And it rejected it, first of all, because it saw that this was not a legislative act, that this was uh, really uh, an attempt to sidestep a legislative decision in other words to change the law and so in that's very important because basically even though you might have garnered which is a, a sizable amount of people that doesn't necessarily mean it's the will quote of the people and so in a legislative process it allows the one legislators and parliamentarians and people to interact mm -hmm. in this discussion. And I think you said it was a petition of it was 1.2 million signatures which right. I thought was really huge for sure. Uh, such a large, uh, for, or such a niche issue, but uh, right. it's fascinating. I mean, it's, it's a large yeah. size, but I mean, in the sense of, it doesn't really doesn't truly represent, represent right. the it's large population. But still, it's kind of oh, frightening that, be ignored. It's, that it's so huge. Exactly. Uh, it's scary, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially coming from a country uh, where Catholicism, you know, at least in name, uh, is very strong and, and very yeah. dominant. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it does raise a lot of questions. But, you know, I don't want to sound like the, the court, I mean, did us a great favor. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased that the court recognized mm -hmm. what was being done uh, in an attempt to, uh, and actually the court, actually I think it's an important quote, uh, basically said the minimum constitutionally necessary protection of human life in general and with particular reference to the weak and the vulnerable, the court is recognized that you know that what was being advanced was not really securing the weak and the poor, protecting them from the possibility uh, of, uh, of an imposition of assisted suicide or euthanasia upon them. So it was, pardon the pun, sort of like a stay of execution kind of that they, <laughs> right. that they right. but not quite uh, 
not everything that could be hoped for, but at least kind right. of a recognition of. But I think it does, like anything else, it, 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 what you said earlier, when you get 1.2 people that, uh, that sign on to this petition, it, you know, it does uh, cause har uh, concern because mm -hmm. we can see that this is a mindset where people really believe that uh, this is a good, in other words, euthanasia or assisted suicide. So I think we need to really be very mm -hmm. mindful that this is not something to be ignored. And the court didn't just you know, completely uh, uh, ignore it or in a sense say it shouldn't advance. It just said this is not the way in which uh, this should be addressed. And so that now we know it's going to just advance those who are advocating for this uh, to keep moving forward. And now we can see how that's going to become more in a public debate. It's going to be moving toward their, their various uh, people in their, uh, in, in their houses of government. Uh, you're going to see the influence of very uh, uh, NGOs and other agencies from around the world get involved in this. And, you know, I think what's important is the advocates for life, you know, us uh, and those who stand with us, we see from history, we see from previous uh, nations where they have legalized euthanasia, assisted suicide, both are one or the other, where what happens is all the limitations begin to be peeled away. We saw the same thing with the abortion argument, right? You know, uh, so that in the beginning it was supposed to be in these rare situations and, you know, very restricted. And immediately we saw those restrictions ripped away. And so basically it just becomes unlimited. So this is the same thing here. And so I think the court does afford us, Tad, an opportunity, you know, to look at, you know, when it speaks about the weak and the vulnerable, you know, and also, even though the court doesn't mention this, what about informed consent? You know, so we could be talking about, you know, involuntary euthanasia here. So we could be talking about, you know, a government imposing its will upon the most vulnerable people who have no one to speak for themselves, speak for them. And so we can see an imposition upon others, you know, and their voice and their, and their own conscience and their own informed consent gets removed. So there's a lot of danger in here that this particular uh, situation raises for us. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's not just Italy that we're talking about this right. particular uh, situation, but as you mentioned in the article, it's, it's uh, euthanasia is legal in, I think you said, uh, 12 countries right. at this time. Right. And, um, so, and I'm not sure if you give a number for uh, physician-assisted suicide, but let's talk about that, um, the distinction here. Let's sure. move into that aspect of uh, kind of the technicalities here and then talk about uh, their relationship with each other and also Catholic teaching on both. Absolutely. So when, when we consider, the, sometimes they're interchanged. You know, mm -hmm. people will use them interchangeably, but they are different. Mm -hmm. So first of all, with euthanasia, it involves a third party. So here you're dealing with someone, uh, you know, who is actually directly intervening, uh, uh, either probably usually through some type of uh, chemical, some type of drug that is, uh, is in, given to another person with the intention of, of, of killing them. So here, whether it be voluntary, involuntary, passive or active, so mm -hmm. the various aspects of euthanasia. So you have mm -hmm. someone that is really you know, involved directly in the taking of a human life. And, and their involuntary would be essentially murder. Murder, right? exactly. And voluntary would be kind of murder, but with someone's right. consent. consent. Active right. would be some kind of drug, like you were talking about, and Correct. passive would be withholding of right. Could be food, food water, water, some type of therapy intervention that would Correct. keep someone alive. Exactly. Right. So okay. for us as Catholics, for example, when we're talking about nutrition and hydration, mm -hmm. which as uh, long as the nutrition and hydration can accomplish its ends, in other words, a person benefits from it, right. it is always considered ordinary care. It's not considered medical care at all from a Catholic, you know, point. And so this is something where we would, 
you can see. You know, mm -hmm. here you can see people in nursing facilities, skilled nursing facilities. You can see people who may have lost their cognitive ability. You can see a, ver a variety of people come to mind, at least they should come to mind, when we're talking about this kind of situation. Now, with regard to assisted suicide, mm -hmm. which I think more people are probably familiar with because it has been legalized, uh, in a number of countries. We, most people know it under the term as medically assisted suicide or physician assisted suicide. So here we're dealing with the person, the, so let's just say that I want to, uh, to, I choose to have someone assist me in the end of my life. So it's not the doctor that is the actor in the sense of the direct cause. The doctor here provides the means to me and then I my, myself take the drug or whatever means I'm the one that becomes the actor. I impose it upon myself. So this is why we call it assisted. So basically, un unlike euthanasia, where the doctor in most cases is the direct act, the one who's actually performing the act, injecting. Right, the agent or, in right. the action is, is, is not the one who's dying, but, Correct. but in the case of assisted suicide, right. it, is, um, it is the person who Correct. wants to die. And it's just good to know, one, the distinction, one, because it helps us in how we speak about it, but number two, is it also shows both, you know, involve the taking of a human life. Whether one giving consent means the value of life is no longer recognized and seen, and it's both are, in, in, from, from our Catholic understanding of the dignity of human life, are not permissible. They are immoral, and they are always immoral in every situation. So this is something that we need to articulate. That's so uh, that's what really makes this conversation important for us. Uh, not only as Catholics, but really as Christian people, as non-Christians, as a human family. Uh, very important uh, for us to see the danger in this. Right, and you gave a, a, a quote from the Holy Father who addressed this, uh, this topic yes. recently in a recent Wednesday audience, and his, uh, part of his quote said, this ethical principle, meaning that uh, life is sacred and to be protected, uh, neither of these uh, forms of offense against life are permissible. Um, he says this ethical principle concerns everyone, not just Christians or believers. So that was exactly a long-winded way of saying it's, exactly. it's not. Uh, it's, it, it is a matter of, of natural law because it ultimately affects. It impinges on the question of murder, which is something that right. is not merely a Catholic teaching. No, it's, no. it's it's I mean, a fundamental. I mean, uh, in as much as Catholic teaching is the fulfillment of the natural law, that it right. is. I shouldn't say merely, but anyway, it's it's the. It's fundamental to uh, right. every, every moral understanding. Well, life is a good, right. and it should be right. protected. Mm -hmm. I mean, even looking at you know, the, the fact of you know, life itself is good. Mm -hmm. So whether one's Catholic, Christian or not, we believe that life is good. Right. It has a value in and of itself, mm -hmm. and so we should protect that value. And, right. you know, so that's what the Holy Father is, is obviously you know, addressing, because mm -hmm. obviously there are people in Italy that are around the world that are, don't share our Catholic views. So on the sense of omission, of omission for food, uh, nutrition and hydration would be an example. But nonetheless, we advance this, this objective truth so that others will see that every life, no matter what, is a value and must be protected. Mm -hmm. you know, so, and I, and I, it's, a, it's again, with the advancing of the culture of death, and right. you know, we use this term so often, many in our audience are, are familiar with the term, but we don't always see its application. And because you know you have a person wearing a white robe in, in the sense of a nice uh, you know lab jacket, you know who's actually the one in in the case of of, of euthanasia is an, is the agent upon which this death occurs. So we have and so people just kind of we see this we, we, I mean stealth euthanasia we talk about 
you know, where, you know, it's, it's done through means that we don't always see. So, you know, over medicating someone, you know, with, with the purpose of hastening their death. So basically, we're, again, we're talking about an issue of euthanization. So mm -hmm. we have to really talk about these things. So, and it's good for people to be aware because we all are caring for other human beings, especially those of us who have aging parents, you know, aging uh, family members, you know, uh, who are in situations where they need care. You know, and so the decisions that need to be made need to be ethically made. And we need to be aware of the stealthy conversations that are occurring and those that are advancing a very different agenda. And so I, I, I compliment, again, the Holy Father, you know, for, uh, for using his Wednesday audience, knowing in the backdrop was this conversation going on. And so um, I, I think, again, it just shows the prophetic voice and the, and the courageous uh, voice that the Holy Father is adding, you know, to uh, the dignity of life. He's, he's defending it. He's, he's reminding the world, hey, wake up. Right, right. And um, he himself is an elderly man, so that, that it, perhaps it's, it's close to his heart. And, and we all have relatives, I, you know, had grandparents all die in the past couple of years, actually, myself. So it's uh, it's a deeply touching issue. Suicide also is 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 is, is another. It's it's a it's a terrible topic. But um, so in, in that sense, let's talk about. Um, you talked about the advancing of the culture of death. Let's talk about how um, and where, in particular, uh, in our own country and and other parts of the world, this these two. Uh, offenses against life are being pushed and, and mm -hmm. uh, the strength of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, those of us in the, who are from the United States, that, you know, that are listening, you know, so obviously we have a number of states that have, uh, through their legislative process, have advanced the, the issue of euthanasia and assisted uh, suicide. So here, physician-assisted suicide. And, and so uh, the United States is not, you know, absent from this debate. We would see the same thing happening recently. Uh, I made note of my article about Great Britain's uh, medical association. You know, uh, basically at a very narrow, you know, one percent difference. You know, basically opened the, uh, the removed in a sense any concern about you know legalizing assisted suicide, medically assisted suicide. And I think there again, it just raises issues. You know, in the countries where it exists, but in countries where it's not. You know, it, people need to be on guard of this of this process, this this movement that continues to uh, to uh, not look at human life from its intrinsic value, but really from a utilitarian you know uh, approach in a sense of of how we would uh, treat objects, you know, things. But uh, the human person is a uh, has a, a value in and of itself, of himself or herself, that can never be imposed, in, infringed upon. And again, the Holy Father is talking about this, and he uses a, a recent comment of Benedict XVI, you know, who uh, people know is grown in age, and, and now himself is talking about, you know, what's, what's facing him is death. And the Holy Father, you know, not only talks about the, the evil of euthanasia and the evil of assisted suicide, but he talks about the fear of death. This is what really is, is, is driving this is a lack of understanding uh, of, of the beauty of life, but also, you know, what awaits us, the, the value of life beyond this moment, beyond the situation, beyond old age, beyond terminal illness. And, you know, this is the conversation the Holy Father really is raising. And, 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 and basically, you know, as the bishops of Italy did, and as the Holy Father, you know, said, basically quoting each other, and that is, you know, we should not be, you know, uh, causing death. You know, we, we're not here to hasten death but we're also not here to ignore its reality. And, but we have an answer to death. 
we have an, a response to death. You know, St. Paul says, death, oh, where is your sting? You know, so we... we, it's a, we it's actually, it's really the central um, right. mystery of Christianity is the mystery of Christ's transforma transformation of death, right. conquering of death and transformation of death through his own death um, right. for us who, who die in him. That's right. You know. So I think that the, the real challenge that the Holy Father raises is what John Paul talks about in Evangelium Vitae, mm -hmm. and even what the Declaration on Euthanasia from the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in 1980 said. You know, so we, we take both of them and we can look at the comments and realize, you know, uh, and I, I think it's important, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find the one from John Paul because uh, I think it's just a great uh, way of understanding when he says, you know, uh, true compassion leads to sharing another's pain. It does not kill the person whose suffering we cannot bear. So this is really, John Paul in Evangelium Vitae, you know, gets to the heart of the matter, which is reaffirming what was said by the Declaration uh, on Euthanasia by the CDF. And that is, you know, where the real compassion is to accompany this, this person, to be present to them, to assist them, uh, to comfort them with our care and our time and the resources we have. And it's also very important that, uh, you know, Pope Francis also shows a distinction in his comments. And he talks about the difference between palliative care and the difference between, you know, hastening someone's death. And, you know, in palliative care, you know, we recognize that a person may be uh, dealing with a terminal illness. And so, or maybe dealing with a severe illness that may not be terminal, but maybe moving in that direction. Could be old age, the body is starting to fail and doesn't function like it once did. So with comfort care and providing medications and walking with that individual and improving basically their, their, their daily life through that kind of care that can be both medical, emotional, and obviously spiritual, um, they're happier, they're, we're walking with them versus the, what, what John Paul is talking about and what the congregation said that then in, in Pope Francis that versus the fact of hastening causing someone's death you know because we're afraid of all the demands and the burdens that it's going to place upon us my time my energy my resource and so the Holy Father Pope Francis made some very powerful statements and I would encourage you know our listeners I mean you can go to in the article and, and click on the links it'll lead you to the full text of the Holy Father's Wednesday audience and I mean, so he, he starts by talking about St. Joseph, and you know, and he ends with a prayer to St. Joseph. But in between, it's packed full of beautiful teaching on the church, uh, teaching from the church on this issue. And, and again, I, I think it's an important issue because as I said earlier, when you have a utilitarian approach, you know, the greatest good for the greatest amount, and people really approach life purely from a, uh, an objectable, uh, kind of a subjective value, you know, what can I get from this particular situation or uh, a thing? This is how we look at human life. No, we don't look at human life that way. And so I think it's so important. Now, I want you to imagine, Ted, you know, you're a young man. You know, I guess I'm still somewhat young. But you know, when you consider oh, the fact that, <laughs> when you consider that you know that uh, we have many people who are at a stage of life, and it's a frightening point because of the way society looks at life. And so people going to their doctors, hospitals, you know, uh, walking very timid, very concerned, especially those that have no family members, you know, or who maybe have uncatechized family members, maybe family members who have an erroneous understanding of the value of human life. It's a scary place to be because in, in certain places, no one's there to speak for you. And maybe in a certain situation, you've lost your ability to speak for yourself. And now you 
have no one there for you. Now it becomes the state that speaks for you. Or, you know, and so it, it can be a very dangerous and a very lonely and a very uh, place that it may not, in, in many cases, does not always end well. And so this is why it's great to have this conversation because I'm hoping that what it might do is stir others who listen to us today you know, to dive a little deeper you know, into what the church actually does teach. What are the documents of the church? And we, we, we mentioned two of them, Tad, the Declaration on Euthanasia, uh, Evangelium Vitae. But there are other documents that the church has issued you know, in, in, in this whole journey about what is our response you know, to, to the dignity of life and one of the documents that I would recommend to our audience is the Ethical and Religious Directives you know, in Healthcare from the U.S. Catholic Conference of Bishops. It, is, it really is the document that here in the United States that advances very clear principles on healthcare and Catholic healthcare. How do we approach the care of human beings? How do we uh, respect the dignity of every human life in the care that the church provides? You know, and at every stage. And, and there are the principles make it clear Euthanasia is never acceptable. Assisted suicide is never acceptable, nor can we hasten the death even under the guise of care. So it makes very clear what our responses are. And uh, I would encourage those who are listening, if you're not familiar with them, just go to the USCCB website, you know, type in you know, ethical and, and, and religious directives. It'll come up with a sixth edition and read it. It is a very, it's very short, very clear principles, but each has an introduction, each section. So on the dignity of life, the social responsibility, all the way to the end of life care. So it covers the whole gambit, and it's a document very much worth spending time with. Mm. Thank you, Father, for that recommendation. We hope our listeners uh, find that and, and other uh, documents from the Vatican, and also resources on Human Life International's own website um, about these issues. Um, Okay, Father, I'm going to switch gears a little sure. bit and talk. Uh, we always like to bring us to the spiritual aspects of, of things here. And, and you've mentioned a couple times now uh, this utilitarian mindset, um, this kind of godless, atheistic right. approach to uh, human life and its value, mm -hmm. um, which is the principal thing that human life international fights against. Um, uh, but in this particular aspect of euthanasia and uh, assisted suicide, um, we can talk about that, you mentioned the utilitarian mindset um, that other people have, right? These ex this external aspect right. of, um, you know, this is an old person, this is a sick person. Because sometimes euthanasia doesn't, is, is a sick person who's not old, right? It's, it's just someone, child. Uh, yeah, um, just, just, it's a, a mercy killing is, is the kind of, term they use. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's an oxymoron or, uh, to say that um, because it's, it's murder. Um, no matter what confused understanding the administer of that uh, action has, but what about um, lack of belief? You know, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on. The lack of belief in God and the afterlife, right? This sort of like clinging to life at all costs right. uh, and to physical health and um, kind of comfort. It's sort of uh, right. un understandable, but ultimately flawed hedonism that's, that's based, the flaw is that lack of uh, afterlife and lack of acceptance of the cross right. and redemptive suffering. That was, that was the other aspect I wanted to talk about. Um, I, sorry, that's a lot, no, Father. No. Is there a way sure. we can kind of explore those? Uh, maybe? Why, why, why don't we look at what you, what you brought up you know, prior and, and kind of tied in a little mm -hmm. bit. And that is, you're absolutely right, Ted, that you know, when, when, of course, we've been kind of referring and Holy Father Pope Francis talked mostly about elderly, terminally ill, but you're absolutely correct. 
I mean, it, it is not, uh, uh, does not discriminate against mm -hmm. age. We have seen mm -hmm. young children below the age of, of six, you know, euthanized, you know, and, and so here, you know, you can see the danger and we see, we've seen people. What was that case? Uh, it was Alfie, uh, I, I forgot his name. Guard, and you have uh, another uh, Charlie Guard and Alfie. Evans, I, I, I think. Yeah, I think so. That I'm was not a, sure. I that was two recent it. cases about maybe a year, two years ago, maybe. Yeah. I, I wrote on those both of those cases, mm -hmm. but it's, those are examples. But you can mm -hmm. have, you know, a person that maybe has uh, an, whatever age they may be that has lost their co cognitive ability. Maybe they're in a coma. You know, so you so you have a lot of ways that this can be enacted. Mm -hmm. You know that you know so across the the whole gambit of human life at every stage, and so so that's a very important. And another thing I want to go back to and, and it tied into this is what does the church? That's why the ethical and religious religious directives, what we call the ERDs, the directives, are so important. Because, for example, let's say that you have a person uh, that is diagnosed with a terminal illness. What is the response? What is the ethical response that a person must make in such a moment? And so what does the church teach about that? Am I, remember we said earlier, life is a good. It has to be protected and valued. So that doesn't mean that I have to exhaust every means possible, you know, to continue my, have my life continue on and on and on. Right. Life is not the ultimate good, right? right? Exactly. So that's getting back to that spiritual, realizing mm -hmm. that, you know, as, 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 as Christians and as, as people of God, you know, we realize that we are pilgrims, that our life here is a blessing, is a gift, and that within that gift is also that the recognition that my life is also a, in, a, in a movement toward that ultimate you know, moment, that ultimate end, um, which really ends in the bosom of the heavenly God. And mm -hmm. so, and that's a very different understanding that you're right, that where people who are not looking at life from that view, it, it does, it has, the, it has the tendency to put things all on this world, to put mm -hmm. everything in this moment, because it becomes the ultimate right. end, as you said. So, but back for a second, you know, on what is my response? Right. So in the ethical and religious directives, those principles are clear that, you know, what we call ordinary, what most people may call ordinary, but proportionate, disproportionate means, ordinary, extraordinary means. But, you know, what we're looking at is, you know, the cost to benefit. And in a sense, meaning not the human person, the person is not the cost to benefit. What we're talking about is the intervention, the mm -hmm. therapy. Uh, for, for example, let's say that, you know, I've been diagnosed with cancer. And you know the doctors have told me there's really nothing more that modern modern science can do. So now, uh, but I can you know uh, avail myself to maybe interventions that can mitigate it, slow it down, maybe you know minimize the pain, the discomfort. In other words, give me more time. You know, there there are many ways to approach this, but it be starts always with the individual who is the one that makes the decision. And so when we come to the other side of the coin, which what we're talking about. Here, it's not the patient or the surrogate, you know, the spokesperson for that individual that's making the decision. It's another individual, like in euthanasia, all right? Even the voluntary, in other words, if I, I want to be euthanized, you know, so please euthanize me. Maybe I've given my consent, but there would be a very questionable, is that real, true consent when a person is, you know, feeling maybe unwanted, afraid, anxious. So there's a way that we need to talk about these things and, and be able to help people, which goes back to that quote by John Paul, that if a person is feeling this way, that's a cry, you know, that saying, I don't, I'm alone, I feel, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. So this is a time for us, you know, to step to the plate, not to, not to end their suffering by ending the life of the person. So we haven't really ended their suffering. What we've done is ended our, 
opportunity to respond to them, as John Paul said. And then you have the, again, the other side where, you know, it's the, the person is given the means, and yet medicine is meant to heal. It's meant to cause no harm, you know, do no harm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the whole understanding of the good, you know, that, that, that medicine is meant to advance, you know, and murder, the taking of a life, whether it be by the doctor's hand or by the agent being the patient themselves or another person doing it for them, this is not the response that we should have. And, and so here, we, for us in HLI, and of course in so many others that walk with us, and, uh, and especially advancing our Christian view of, of anthropology, you know, the human person, obviously our response is not the death of an individual, it's not the hastening of death, it's not causing that death, it's, but at the same time it's walking with that person who may be dying, they may be moving toward death, their, may, their death may be imminent. We have a response and that palliative care that we offer to someone, and managed care, even managing someone's pain, managing the the medicines that we use to manage their pain. Doesn't cause their death, doesn't hasten their death, but we're assisting and we are giving comfort care. And so this also now, Ted, raises questions about hospice care that in our country, in many countries, that are, are, are do very beautiful, beautiful work. That's a different subject for a different day, but it still raises questions because you know, I myself have been in moments where I've seen, you know, decisions being made under hospice care because of poor catechesis, poor understanding, you know, and, and making decisions that really do not reflect, you know, the dignity of human life and cause, you know, uh, hasten the death of another individual. So it's, it's something that, again, we need to keep talking about so that we can help people. And that's HLI's main goal. You know, and this is what my articles really are about. It's not a news blurb. It's not meant to, you know, to kind of give the nightly news. It really is to spark a conversation about spirit and life, you know, which is what you're trying to get me to end with in, yes, in the sense yes, of that no. spiritual component. So <laughs> mm-hmm. what, I would, what I would add, Ted, to this is having served in, in parish life for most of my priestly life, and of course the last 11 years here, privileged to serve at HLI uh, and to serve its global mission, uh, but most of my life has been in parish ministry. And, you know, having uh, been in the homes of many people uh, and accompanying them to the journey and moment of death, it is a beautiful journey that the church accompanies with that soul. And, and it's important for us to be in those moments, in the hospitals, the skilled you know, facilities, and, and the homebound, and to offer not only the sacraments of the church, very, very important to bring the sacraments of the church to the people of God in most in need, but also to, to help them prepare. And one of the things I've learned, you know, by getting into people's homes as early as possible, so long before there is the announcement that they're in the stages of dying, it, it could be simply issues of older age that have now working with someone, is to talk to them about this. You know, we should not be afraid of talking about these kinds of important subjects about the life and our response to these situations and, and helping people to not be afraid. And so, and not to be afraid of death. You know, you know in the sense of be able to, to know that death is real, it will cause a, a, a period of, of, of isolation from those that we love, but we know that it's not the end. We know that, our, like you said, our Lord conquered death. He's destroyed its power. And so there's nothing to fear. But if we don't have that conversation, then we leave them, you know, in the isolation. We leave them in the anxiousness. And, and, and that's why it's so important to, to be present and then to help our doctors, help our nurses, 
you know, this is what I love about, you know, the uh, ethical and religious directives. It gives us a way to have a conversation with those who are providing care, whether they're Catholic or not Catholic. We can also begin to educate family members, you know, on, on how to prepare themselves and their loved one, you know, for this journey and this final journey in this world. And, and no greater gift can we give than ourselves, our time, you know, uh, our, our resources to help them in that, in that journey. And so I see this, you know, again, the Holy Father raising it is a real chance. And I love when he, he challenges, says, you know, our elderly and our sick and our dying should not feel that the only answer for them is to be euthanized or to be, you know, put to death, you know. Uh, and, and he said, that's, that's wrong. We, should, we don't look at human persons this way. And, and, and he's absolutely, of course, correct. And, and I think this is why, you know, in our parishes, you know, our pastoral ministry, our uh, way that we uh, promote, the, bring the sacraments to people, uh, that we need to really step up that, that conversation. Uh, because what people see on TV, what they get in magazines, on movies, uh, so many other places, is a very different narrative. And how many people feel that they're a burden? You know, what a horrible word. I was going to bring up the, yeah, the case of assisted suicide, because in that case, it's not even... Um, I mean, I suppose it's comparable to voluntary euthanasia, but otherwise it's a unique in that the, the person uh, himself wants to, to, to die. Right. Right. And um, that's where I, I was, uh, you know, I, I think personally the, the only way to overcome that is ultimately with, um, from within the individual to, to accept uh, as the redemptive aspects of right. suffering, but that requires a leap of faith in God and believe, and that's why it's a terrible, um, terrible uh, state of our culture where people can, right. I mean, you know, so many suicides rising exponentially in the last couple of years well, of uh, with, with uh, the lockdowns and everything else, um, right. especially, and that's not the case of physician-assisted suicide, that's just suicide in general, but that suicidal instinct, right. I wonder if that's not ultimately the, the main, um, the linchpin of the culture of death is like a suicidal hatred of yeah. one's own human life. Yeah. Well, um, the Marx used to talk about that, actually. He, mm -hmm. he, he always connected them, mm -hmm. because when you start with an anti-life mentality mm -hmm. in the beginning of life, when you're opposed to life, un unwilling to, uh, to engender life, to welcome life, then the natural end product is you're also going to take that same approach toward the end of life, or mm -hmm. to certain situations of age, or disabilities. Uh, you're, you're, it's, so you can see how they really do overlap you know, just two different bookends of life, but yet the same anti-life mentality. Right. And, and, and I think too, you know, with all of it, Ted, is we, we just need to really look at, you know, the idea that when a person, because I've, I've heard it with my own ears. I mean, I, I really have heard people, you know, say to me, I don't want to be a burden to, to someone. And it really is a, is a narrative that has taken hold. And we have to unravel that narrative. You know, no life is a burden. There are situations that place demands on each of us and our response to each other. And this is, again, where the social doctrine of the church comes to bear. And, of course, the first principle of, uh, of, of that doctrine is the dignity of the human person. So made in the image and likeness of God, respect for human persons. But the second aspect of that social doctrine uh, is community. And that is very important here. And this is what the Holy Father is mm -hmm. talking about, both John Paul, Francis, and also the doctrine of the faith, is that I have a duty toward you, you know, and you have a duty toward me. 
and to realize that we, are, we live in community, we function in community, we are social beings, you know, we're made for each other. And so, so when like we... Mother Teresa said, we, we belong to each other. Exactly, and, 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 and thank you. I, I love that little quote from Mother. And, and why? Because it reminds me mm -hmm. that I have a moral obligation and moral duty to my brother and sister. Now, does that mean, what does that mean? Well, we'll have to do that for another podcast. Because right. it has different meanings, okay? Mm -hmm. And so, but, the, and, but they all start with respect for human persons, mm -hmm. respect for every human life at every stage. And if someone feels burdened or feels burdensome, then that's where you start. That's the conversation to begin and to find out why. Mm -hmm. What Because there are people who feel this way and it's because they've been made to feel that way or maybe they've been abandoned by their family, they're alone. So there's so many mm -hmm. dynamics. But this is what makes me and you step to the plate. Mm -hmm. This is what we're here. And so I, I wanna again just you know encourage you know our audience, please go to the links you know, on, on the Wednesday audience of, of Pope Francis on this conversation, because it is worth the time to reflect on what the Holy Father is saying and to be aware of not only what's going on in the constitutional court in Italy, but to really understand what's happening here in the United States and to really look into the, uh, especially California, you can look into Oregon. Right, the right know, to die movement. And it's, it's there. I mean, it, we're grateful that it hasn't advanced as quickly as maybe it wants to advance because there's still something within human beings that really don't like this, you know, because they see the real danger here, because why can't I euthanize you? You know, why can't you euthanize me? You know, where does this arbitrary definition come from? Who has a right to life, who doesn't? So you can see the danger here because someone else is determining you have value or you don't have value. And we know where that goes. And right. so that's a, that's, that is the fundamental danger here. It's an arbitrary approach toward human life. So again, I know we're going to talk about this a lot more because I can tell you this is a growing issue. And especially here in the United States where we have an aging population, we have uh, basically, you know, uh, we are seeing a, a continued decrease in birth rates. So we have the baby boomers now who reach the age of Medicare in our country, uh, needing health care. And as we see in other countries like uh, Japan, again, for example, an aging population. And so what's going to happen is the fear, what's our response when we can't care for them, when we can't spend, we don't have enough money to care for their needs? What happens? And this is where the danger can be. So now we can designate certain people as having a right to certain health care or not health care. Or we can choose to get to a certain part where we encourage euthanization. Or I can assist you. You don't have to suffer anymore. False compassion. All right. Mm -hmm. So this so-called mercy killing, which is, it is, it's killing, all right? Mm -hmm. So there's no mercy in that, all right? So it, that's, so this is why it's going to be great for us, Tad, to pick this up again. And Absolutely. I can tell you right now um, that I just got an article, uh, you know, on this same constitutional court story uh, that now sadly involves, you know, uh, some members that uh, are uh, promoting this as something that could be a good and so it'll be something that we'll probably pick up later on, whether it be this week's article, I doubt, because I have something else already I'm working on, but I will, I will pick up this conversation again. So I look forward to talking more with you about it. Yes, absolutely, Father, because this is, like you said, it's the bookend, it's the other end, other side of the, the pro-life conversation, uh, the conversation of the culture of life. Um, you know, we have to protect life from conception until natural death, like we mm -hmm. always say. And so um, thank you, Father. And uh, yeah, I think we can close with that then. Um, 
Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, please look at all the resources that we mentioned. Uh, you can find on the Vatican website the Declaration on Euthanasia and the uh, Evangelium Vitae Encyclical of uh, St. John Paul II, as well as um, the, the links in, in, in our, oh, the Ethical and Religious Directives uh, uh -huh. from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and the articles, all the links that uh, are in our Father's article. Thank you very much again. Um, keep on living the culture of life. God bless.